Welcome back to Talking Risks. It's a podcast about entrepreneurialism. That's not an easy word to say. It's about uh, entrepreneurs. It's about building a business, building a legacy. Every week we have on an entrepreneur or a consultant or vendor to an entrepreneur, and they tell their stories and tell their losses and victories and strategies. And what we hope to achieve by this is we hope to expand our knowledge on entrepreneurialism. Ricky and I are both entrepreneurs with our own business or businesses, and we hope to expand your knowledge, your uh, entrepreneurialistic IQ, and we hope to encourage you. We hope to encourage you to uh, not only seek out your new legacy, but continue to achieve uh, your current legacy. So uh, my name's Eric Reese. I'm a lawyer I own a law firm called Aspen Legal. You can find it on the web at aspenlawteam.com. My co-host is Ricky Hall. Ricky? Ricky Hall, founder of Nutrition HQ, Nutrition HQ Franchising, and you can find me at nhq.rocks. And so the best part of our show is our guest. Our guest is Season Elliott. Season? Hi. um, Thanks for having me, you guys. Uh, My name is Season Elliott. I'm president of Wise Choice Foods, and our brand is Wise Pies Pizza. We're disturbing the frozen pizza market a little bit with our Wise Pies Pizza brand. You can find out more information about that at wisepiespizza.com. Awesome. So um, we're going to talk to Season at length about a pretty amazing journey that she's accomplished in, oh my gosh, it feels like two years Maybe it's been three or four, but she's done so much in a very short period of time, and we're going to get to that. But before we get there, I'm laughing because if you've listened to the podcast before, you know Ricky's about to completely screw it up. But um, we first talk about what Ricky and I have been talking about over the last week, which is a segment we call Hot Topics. Hot Topics. He did it correct. Um, so our hot topic today is uh, something that's been bugging me forever and that Ricky and I talked about, and that's the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and their pursuit of false advertising, false advertising in this world of completely false advertising. I don't know where the FTC gets off pursuing people for false advertising but Ricky and I were looking at uh, some of the false advertising lawsuits that have come about over the last decade and I'm laughing about it because the first one that Ricky and I were talking about over the week was um, there was a class action against Red Bull that Red Bull paid millions of dollars to settle and it was brought by a plaintiff who complained that he didn't actually get wings from Red Bull's advertisement or trade slogan that Red Bull gives you wings. Only and a $13 million payout. $13, $13 million to a plaintiff who said, these guys, these guys lured me into drinking Red Bull, and I thought that I would actually physically get wings from this right this is a messed up world that we are in uh particularly when it comes to false advertising there are laws there are rules against false advertising but every time the ftc goes after somebody and this was a a civil lawsuit not brought by the ftc but every time the ftc goes after someone i'm thinking don't pound your chest because Every time I'm watching TV, I'm seeing someone uh, inflate uh, their product or their service. Um, you know, we, we all know about the Subway lawsuit where they got sued for sandwiches that weren't exactly 12 inches long, even though they were asserting that they were a foot long. What's the one that you brought up, Ricky? Uh, the one I just read now that makes me laugh is... Rice Krispies don't boost your immune system. Right. And who knew, right? I've been we eating, wouldn't have COVID if Rice Krispies would boost your immune system. I, I've been eating those things for years thinking that it did, but uh, but apparently not. You know, the, the, the thing is, is that, um, again, 
we need to be truthful in our uh, product, in our service. We need to be truthful in our value proposition. We say that in every podcast and because we believe it and we need to believe in our value proposition. If you got a lie about your product or your service, then you should not sell that product or service. No, it goes back. You know, we've had this conversation multiple times about integrity, integrity of the business partners, integrity with your product, your advertising, everything. You know, if if I'm putting a, a thousand milligram vitamin C out there and I'm getting it manufactured with only 250 milligrams, I should get sued. So that's interesting that you bring that up. And, and this is how uh, it works in uh I've known Season for years, and I know that uh, she doesn't suffer from this affliction. But um, a lot of the lawsuits that uh, where the bell was rung have to do with uh, food and food ingredients, right, being mes- misrepresented. I just sat yesterday with a manufacturer of sauces, right, and their rule is... Uh, the label is the rule. Whatever you're saying on the label better be in the product, right? And so we, we all know that, but Rice Krispies, okay, was, you know, they made a representation that this would enhance your immune system. And I think uh, Frosted Mini Wheats said that they would enhance your uh, kids' uh, mental abilities or something like oh, that. Maybe because of the I don't, vitamins. Yeah, I don't even remember that, okay? Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is that many of these lawsuits and many of these actions by the FTC seem to be about food and not complying with the label, all right, or food or health not complying with um, you know, their their health benefit representations. And so now you see at the end of products and services advertisements, you see uh, this is not intended to, you know, actually solve any medical problems. The extends lawsuit, okay? Yeah. Uh, extends says that it would grow your wiener, all right? That's what it said, right? And apparently, I think it, it says certain parts of the body yeah. in the description. <laughs> apparently, apparently it didn't. Uh, but enough people bought it that thought that it would, right? And then a class action was brought. How'd you like to be the class action plaintiff in uh, the lawsuit against Extends? Isn't that an admission that you've got, you know, uh, certain deficiencies? You would, th- you would think that that's true, right? Yeah. But, uh, but the thing is, is that ultimately, you know, the rule is be true, right? Be be representative of what you actually have and uh, focus on your value proposition. Uh, beyond that, if you need to do more, if you need to lie, if you need to sell an extended car warranty, uh, then chances are you're in the wrong product or the wrong service, for yeah, sure. Totally agree. Well, you know, there's also some gray areas that the FDA have not define for things like we use. We're a clean label product. What does clean label mean? The FDA has not legally put parameters around what clean label is. And so we put together our own, what does a clean label mean? So we actually defined our clean label promise means these 205 ingredients aren't in our pieces. And we make sure 205 ingredients never are there. So we have a definition to our claim because the FDA has not defined it yet. Um, because that's the general term. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, Season and I have talked about this uh, over uh, many months or probably over many years that, you know, she is breaking into or has broken into uh, an industry that is super crowded, right? Super crowded. And she has a unique value proposition with respect to her products. I mean, if someone said to you, I'm going to come up with a new frozen pizza product, uh, the first thing that you would think is, that's a pretty crowded field, for sure. And we're going to talk to Season about those uh, items, those value propositions, those things that permitted her to break into um, this very crowded field. But before we do that... Season, um, tell us about yourself. Tell us about where you came from 
where you went to school, et cetera, so we can build into how you got to be the um, the CEO of Wise Choice Foods. Absolutely. My background is in communications. I went to the University of Texas at Austin uh, and received my degree in communications, which actually has been the number one key in our rapid growth, which we'll talk a little bit about more later. But I, I left school and started immediately working for an advertising agency in Oklahoma City. Um, that's where I started really working with the advertising messaging. It's, it's great that you, you bring up the false advertising claims because we were very careful to not claim something that wasn't true or that we couldn't prove. That moved into casino marketing, um, a, a physical move to Louisiana and the lack of advertising agencies in the area. I started working with um, a casino out of Bossier City called Boomtown Casino. I was there advertising manager and that was actually a better education in terms of how the true marketing um the marketing functionality of a company can work so well together with all of the different parts and pieces working together to elevate the entire company um from there i was recruited to albuquerque new mexico with a casino that is here in albuquerque which is where we're based and um, out of a, a number of different changes over the next few years, I started working with a group called Wise Pies Pizza. Um, they were starting a new franchise restaurant chain, um, and it was your fast, casual, build-your-own-pizza place where you could go in, um, get your pizza made in five minutes. Uh, it's delicious. It was fresh, uh, fresh dough, fresh ingredients, proprietary recipes made by a chef for the sauces, incredible products. Yeah. So we found, yeah. Oh, so, so wise pies pizza from, uh, marketing in now I assume, and I think I've been to that casino. That's, uh, the casino in Albuquerque is on the Indian reservation, correct? Yes, all the casinos here on um, on Pueblos is, is what they're called. And um, this one is Sandia Casino. It's it's probably the biggest and most beautiful location uh, in New Mexico. And it's, it's probably the closest to the city limits. Right. Uh, to access. Mm-hmm. So going from marketing to uh, consumers for the resort, I assume, uh, plus the entertainment, uh, including the gambling, to going to consumers for a uh, a product, right? A a tangible. I'm not saying that a resort and, and gaming isn't tangible, but a tangible product like pizza. I mean, that's a big leap, isn't it? It's a big leap in terms of the industry, but it's not a big leap when it comes down to the fundamentals of marketing and advertising. Really, communication is talking to a certain person about a need that you're trying to fulfill and making the case for it. And no matter the industry you're in, that is always the, the approach. Right. So, And when I started working with them, it was in that capacity. It was in the capacity of trying to build their brand, trying to drive traffic into their the restaurants. And then... That franchise model sold in 2017, and um, we had we had proven that our product could be replicated as a frozen option uh, from a relationship with the University of New Mexico and us working in the concessions and coming up with a product that could cook faster. We had to fulfill orders in you know 90 to 120 seconds. Um, so we we figured out a way to freeze our par-baked crust and make a piece even faster to drive, um, to, to make sure those lines stay down. So, so, so let's go back to that. So, oh. um, years ago and, and probably not that long ago, pizza was not a lunch option, right? Pizza was a dinner option and it was a dinner option because people come in and they're willing to wait for the 20 minutes and have a beer or whatever the hell it is and have conversation and wait for that pizza, all right? 
or it was a delivery option, and you're used to now waiting for an hour, all right? Uh, we're way past the Domino's 30 minutes or it's free, right? And by the way, that went right. away That went away with a lawsuit in St. Louis. Because of a car accident, A right? car accident, yeah. Um, I don't know that they killed the person, but I think that they were pretty pretty messed up. Uh, and it was all because the driver was trying to beat the 30 minutes or it's free because guess, guess whose paycheck the pizza came out of? It came out of the driver, right? And so... Um, and so we're used to waiting for pizza, but it's the advent of these pizza ovens, these rollers, uh, I call them roller ovens, right, that, that really changed things. So tell us about that um, season, because I know that um, in the Wise Pies franchise model, um, mm-hmm. that was a big deal, that pizza is now available for lunch. It was a big deal. Um, and it, it was a big deal that, that people could go through the line and customize everything from their crust. So they could choose a, a cracker-thin crust, a traditional crust, a whole grain, or a gluten-free. They could choose their sauces. It's the sub- um, it's the subway line. You can walk your pizza through, right? And, um, and that was pretty strong for sure. Um, yeah, and we had stone ovens, so the the pieces would cook in two and a half minutes on stone, but it was a conveyor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. Um, and these, these are are um, these these pizza ovens are you don't come by them often. We mm-hmm. actually purchased ours out of Canada, so it was a big deal that we had these ovens and that they were they were granite stones that they were cooking on. So it created this amazing texture on the crust and super fast. So people, we had amazing lunch traffic, lots of businesses, lots of schools, the, the higher education locations around, um, and people that just wanted to come in and grab a quick bite with their friends and have their 10 inch pizza. So that in and of itself was very innovative, right? Because it wasn't just pizza for lunch. I mean, the pizza buffets have been around forever, but, the, but by the time you walk in, those pizzas have been cooked for quite some time, right? Yeah, and, and, and for, right, and mm-hmm. nobody nobody custom orders those things. This is from beginning to end. You just walk along, uh, and I call it the subway line because that's what it's known in the industry, right? The subway is again. Kudos to a brand that's not necessarily my favorite, but you walk your sandwich through, right? And that's what you do in a lot of different uh, brands, a lot of different QSRs now. We're used to that. But so tell us how that went from um, that quick preparation of the pizza product to, okay, so now we need a solution where we can have these things ready to pop them through at a at an even faster pace at um in in your case the sports venue what is that called what is that called season i i always forget the university of new mexico uh basketball go ahead the pit is what it's called the pit right. um because it was dug out of the ground and you walk down into this pit um, and I, I, I don't know the exact phrasing they use for it, but it, apparently it is the loudest venue and the most intimidating venue for you to have an away game at for all of oh, the wow. competitions yeah. they see. It, it's yeah. pretty incredible. It's yeah. an amazing place to basketball game absolutely yeah. no i've seen big teams in there uh to go in there and get their ass kicked uh <laughs> because of it so but now you've got a real challenge right because now you've got twenty thousand people or whatever it holds it holds a lot more than a normal restaurant does right <laughs> so let's say bet. between 10 and twenty thousand people they're all hungry and they're all familiar with pizza so how do you go from the restaurant to, okay, how are we going to serve this many people and, and not, uh, not get them angry because the line is too long or they can't get what, what they want? 
Right. Yeah. We, um, we did some research at, at games prior to us actually executing. And we saw how long people were standing in line and we never wanted to exceed what they were used to, but we also wanted to improve on that. So we did our own R and D internally at one of the restaurants and looked at, um, timeframes for producing carbate crust from our fresh dough, freezing it in our freezers and, and then replicating it. We would, we would take crust that had been frozen for a week, for two weeks, for three weeks and make sure we were replicating a fresh product that was similar, if not almost exactly like what you were getting in the restaurant. And then in terms of the, the business at the concession, because we only had one stand, we had very long lines. And we saw that the top two selling products were a cheese pizza and a pepperoni pizza. So we actually, prior to the game starting, produced, I would say, probably a couple hundred pizzas mm-hmm. and had a ready line where people could come through, grab their pizza and go. Mm-hmm. So we had kind of a fast service line and then we had a limited topping option. Sure. Um, we, we only had the one type of crust and the, the roasted red pepper marinara, um, which is our prepared, our proprietary recipe and um, gave them a limited number of toppings where they could make it. And then they would have kind of a holding area where we'd make the pizza. But again, it was still, it was still only 90 seconds and we had a double decker oven. So we were able to run two full lines of pizza through and just keep it cranking. We would sell 400 pizzas in an hour and a half. Amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah, right? It's crazy. And so you have to be careful because if you screw it up, right, if people go to a basketball game and they buy your brand and they don't like it, then when they go back, it impacts the restaurants, right? They go back out and they said, boy, I don't know what happened to this brand, uh, but it's not as good as it used to be, right? And so it's a big challenge to to maintain that product quality, uh, what I call consistent consumer experience um, in a venue like that where, where everybody's got to get back to the game, right? So... Season? Do you still have the the pizza place in the in the pit? We do not. It was part of a larger sponsorship opportunity. Um, you know, what's interesting is even after we left, I, I don't remember the brand that went in, but we would get pictures and complaint emails about the pizza that was there, and ask us to fix it. I, I don't know if it was. Domino's or Papa John's or it was a it was a large national brand. Yeah. And they would send pictures of these pieces that had been sitting around for they brought them in pre baked. Yeah. 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 The freshness went away. Yeah. So so you sold ultimately you sold the franchising or the franchise rights to the brand, but you still have the core brand uh behind and i know that you've modified the core brand a little bit but you've got this raw uh resource right you know how to make these pizzas now that you had this experience with the pit you know how to at least um you think you know how to produce these in a frozen capacity um how do you go from that that experience to uh, saying, look, I'm going to now sell these products and the products are going to have high quality um, in grocery stores and other retail venues that you're in now. I started asking questions and building relationships very early on, even before we went into production. And that you're going to find that true of, of each of our each of our moves um, as we continue to grow. We have an incredible relationship with a regional distributor called Shamrock Foods. And uh, we had some consultants we had been working with. And when we saw the opportunity um, and the performance that we had had in the concession, we knew that there was something there. And we wanted to explore the food service side of that because we were doing, we were creating a food, a fresh food service product and we wanted to allow other restaurants or entertainment venues or schools, hospitals, anyone 
that has a food service operation to be able to use our product because we were creating an all natural product that that was cooked that could cook easily it had zero labor because it was cooked directly from frozen there was no prep time to it and it was at a great price it was um, very competitive with the other brands in the market and what was great is we started here in New Mexico and we knew that other New Mexican companies would want to give their business and keep it local and in our state rather than giving it to you know the larger brands um, and we're minority owned and female led, so it's, it's just a great opportunity. So yeah. with Shamrock, go ahead, the please. Keep sorry, going. Keep going. Gave us that opportunity to bring in a handful of SKUs and really just start selling. And we had started selling the product in March of 2018. We were selling a product we hadn't even made yet because we knew we could make it and we knew we would make it, but we had to build the volume. So we started selling it in March. We built a level of interest, went into production the end of May and started distribution that June, June of 2018. So Shamrock was uh, your co-packer, correct? Shamrock Foods is a distribution company. Okay. So who was manufa- Who did you find to manufacture these pizzas? We found a group out of Vernon, California. It's right outside of Los Angeles that was willing to support us. And, you know, there's a lot of co-packers that are not willing to bring in a new brand that has never been in production before. But we could meet their minimums. We could support it with our financial backing. And, um, you know, we met with them a few times. They knew what our free our free from ingredients were so we could maintain our clean label promise. And we went into production. Wow. So there's so many issues here. So, I mean, first of all, you're breaking into um, this is not um, the QSR anymore. This is not the restaurant. This is about frozen pizza. If you go into your Walmart, if you go into your Kroger, if you go into your Schnooks, whatever grocery chain you go to, um, mm-hmm. there's a whole row of frozen pizza. Yeah, and you're going into a space that they're not going to put a new freezer in for your brand. So no. you're going into a space that's already crowded. And you got to take shelf in. space yep. from somebody, somebody else. else, right? And so right. H- how do you... How do you even begin to do that? I mean, it's um, it's so crowded. And, and, and the reason why I ask is because I have people ask me all the time. It's like, well, I have this fitness concept, right? And mm-hmm. I, I want to grow it. But it's very crowded out there. Okay, well, it's crowded. I have a hamburger concept. I want to grow it. But there's McDonald's and Hardee's and all the rest of them out there. How do you do that? How do you have the confidence to break into an industry that you know, there's, there's no denying, is very crowded? We knew we had the product. There was, there was no question about it. Um, but we had to still be different. There, there are so many, you know, you see 15 to 20 doors of, of frozen pizza at a large grocery store. And everybody's got cheese. Everybody's got pepperoni. Everybody's got a veggie version. And, and this is really, you know, in the time where you're coming out with um, gluten-free options, cauliflower crust, yep. vegan options, you know, all of these things. And we knew we needed to stay in our lane. And that was creating just an incredibly delicious pizza that could cross over into the natural food qualification. Um, so that's almost like a besides the point, but it is also one of our benefits. We want people to just enjoy their pizza, right. but it's also a better choice. It's not necessarily healthy because it's still pizza. It's still got cheese on it. It still has pepperoni, um, but it does remove some chemicals that exist in some of the national brands that are out there. And but to further differentiate, we had to have something that nobody else had to be able to talk to these buyers who see everything and they have to be very careful and selective about who they meet with. So being from New Mexico, one of the um, part of our culture is chili, green chili or red chili. Okay. And a huge 
product here in local pizzerias, which are their fresh pizzas, is a green chili pepperoni pizza. So we started doing our R&D to figure out how we could be the first nationally to come to market with a green chili cheese and a green chili pepperoni product that also met our um, our clean label standards and had a hatch certified from New Mexico green chili on our pizza, um, which is a challenge. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, the industry and the production side of things, but vegetables come in a, a form called IQF. It's, it's a quick frozen vegetable. And it allows for uh, efficiency and consistency and application during the production process. And for the most part, an IQF green chili product did not exist. So our team, um, our co-packing team, created their own IQF product. And they were hand-applying green chili. And I don't know if you guys are, have ever, like, touched green chili or messed with green chili. But it, when it thaws, it comes, it comes in a five-pound frozen block. And it's surrounded by water, and you have to thaw it. So it's it's very moist, and it sticks to your fingers. Um, they had to kind of flick it on each of the pieces. Oh, yeah. um, and so we had created our own IQF because we tried we re- refroze it to make it a little more solid, and um, and that's how we started with a hand applied, personally frozen IQF <laughs> green chili on our products, yeah. and it was amazing. People, green chili grows in popularity every year in the United States. I think last year or the year before last, last year is just kind of an anomaly. Um, there were 42 states that were doing green chili roasts in August and September. So green chili is a known product, but you can't really get it across the board. And so since we came out with the first green chili pizza in your grocery freezer case, People are, you know, dying to get it into their stores because they want the variety that everyone else has. Yeah, food is um, food is very funny in that um, you and I invested in a food company a couple years ago up in Wisconsin, and um, all of a sudden you learn about how food behaves under various conditions, and right. it's not intuitive how food behaves. Right, you like it in a particular way, uh, a fresh way, and then you freeze it and it changes it, right? Then you thaw it and it changes it again, right? And um, that's a challenge, right? To be able to produce a product at the consumer level, meaning on the plate, that is as good as you anticipate that it was going to be good, but now you've thrown it through a whole lot of jostling and a whole lot of hustling and bustling and and freezing. I mean, it's a big challenge. Yeah, and, then, and season. I would your guys' um, struggles, not struggles, but another obstacle is that you're going into a crowded space. You're making this healthier pizza, but it's also got to taste damn good. You're right. You know that's the thing we've <laughs> talked about. Um, you can't chase people to the bottom with respect to price, all right? So we've talked about Jack's Pizza, for example. Jack's Pizza, I can probably go to Walmart and load up for a buck ninety nine a pizza, all right? And um, I can take it home and throw on a couple of extra toppings, and the kids are going to eat it, all right? You can't chase products you can't chase competitors to the bottom uh with respect to price so you got to have something different you got to have something unique right and so tell us season about focusing on how this pro and and uniqueness by the way could just be better and we talked about that with tim burt just be better Mm -hmm. right uh better tasting uh, is is one all right? Uh, better size, better quantities, etc., uh, or others. But tell us about how you focused on and how you presented to retail sellers. Um, why us? Why should you pick us versus some of these other people? Absolutely. Uh, so our our tagline is a smarter way to pizza. And um, what does that mean? So 
that can mean so many things. We started our development process making sure, one, we were choosing the highest quality ingredients, which means they're more expensive to use, they're more expensive to produce, um, and they're more expensive to put into a finished product. Um, but it was important to us to make sure we were delivering that. So our crust is a proprietary recipe and it does have a lower level of carbs because we are a, we're a thinner crust. It's not a cracker thin, but it has, um, it's thin enough where it reduces those levels but still has a loft to it. That makes sense. A little bit of a rise to the crust, a soft yep. top and a, a bottom. And, and then we also have a proprietary recipe uh, for our marinara. It's a roasted red pepper marinara sauce. Um, we, we put more seasonings and ingredients into the sauce to create this really rich, robust flavor that has an incredible aroma when you're cooking it in your kitchen um, that really nobody else does. So we deliver on those really bold Italian flavors that people are looking for in their pizzas. And then going into um, our cheeses, what we choose is a, is a blend of four cheeses of mozzarella, provolone, romano, and pecorino. I'm sorry. Um, I forget the fourth, the fourth cheese. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Um, but they are, again, they're clean label, and that means they're free from antibiotics like natamycin, which you're going to find in just about any cheese you buy in the grocery store, and it's it's intended to increase the shelf life of the product as a mold inhibitor Um, because we all know we can end up with moldy cheese in our fridge Mm. but we have a natural preservative and that is the freezer we don't have to worry about having those inhibitors because they're not going to grow in that environment Um, and then in terms of the toppings you know we only choose again all natural toppings when it comes to the vegetables their iqf at the peak of freshness which means you're preserving the colors, you're preserving the um, a lot of the nutrition that's in them. And then any of the meats that we use are also considered all natural, which means they are uncured. They have no added nitrates or nitrites, except for what is naturally occurring in like a, a celery salt or a sea salt or, or any type of the seasonings that might be added to those. Um, you put all that together and you have this clean label pizza that has the highest quality ingredients. Um, the cheese is super creamy, you get the satisfaction, but you're not having to worry about those ingredients on the back of the box that you can't even pronounce that many of the other pieces that are out there include. We make sure that they're not in our products. Um, and then, of course, the the uniqueness of the, the green chili toppings. And so you have this pizza, you have this pizza product in this crowded uh, line of you know frozen coolers and why are consumers because to me this is the real data why are consumers choosing our product over the 50 other or 100 other uh, competitors that are in the cooler and, and it's not because of price right because we we certainly are not chasing people to the bottom so why are people choosing our pizza? What is, when I look into the cooler, um, and for the first time I'm choosing this product over another product, what is attracting me to your product? Absolutely. Um, we do have a, a unique packaging. We have a, um, a design that harkens back an old Italian circus with the red and white stripes. So it's a very bold standout um, package that people see and it draws their eye. And we have very large, um, very large labeling that goes back to the fact that it's fresh, fast and delicious. So those are some of the first words that you see on those, on those pizza boxes aside from, the actual name of the product, which is also something very bold. Um, The majority of the box is a picture of the pizza. And what you want to happen is when consumers see that, that image, you want them to immediately get hungry. So that's where we focus and we spend a lot of time in our product photography. One, making sure we're actually taking a picture of the real deal 
not adding, you know, glue to make the cheese look gooey. We actually have the real ingredients in our pictures. There are no food stylists adding different materials that would have never been in our pieces. So you're actually seeing everything that's in that box. Yeah, it's, and, it, it's, it's interesting that you say that. So when I look into the frozen pizza selection, there mm-hmm. are these products that are wrapped in plastic that have, they're sitting on a cardboard, um, whatever, whatever the hell it is. Pizza, pizza pan, right? <laughs> and uh, on the top, they've got a piece of paper, right? And that piece of paper, which is enclosed in plastic, has a picture of supposedly what the pizza is going to look like when it comes out, all right? Then you've got these other pizzas that are in cardboard boxes, all right? And those must be the better pizzas. I mean, I'm just telling you how I think, right? Those must be the better those those must be the higher end pizzas. Cuz that's date night pizza. Right, that's that's date night pizza. <laughs> that's when I'm that's my wife's birthday pizza right, and our anniversary, right? Um, but but seriously, I mean, it's it's the simple stuff in the branding and the packaging that can immediately have the consumer. I looked into the science of this, right? Uh, the colors, the color red makes you more hungry. Who knew, right? I didn't know that. But the color red makes you more hungry. The color green is supposedly to be avoided, all right, mm-hmm. in in food labeling or in food packaging. I, I didn't know that either, right? So, so, I mean, tell us about that. Tell us about, sound like I'm talking to Dr. Fauci. Tell us about the science <laughs> of this because it, it obviously it matters, well, and, and there's also, there's a lot of science to that, Eric, but there's also a lot of science to changing consumer behaviors right now. So, you know, we did, we did intentionally pick the red because we knew it was, it was meant to, you know, create sure. that, 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 that we want to happen. Um, but people are looking for products that have a health halo. And, you know, when you say health halo, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthier. It doesn't mean that it's a health food. It means it's just better for you. And that changing, that changing pattern and the changing behavior, which has even strengthened since, since COVID-19 and the pandemic and the closures, people are eating at home and they're eating more frozen pizza and more, uh, more things at home, um, that have that health halo. And they want to know they're putting, better products into their bodies because they know what they put into their bodies. They're going to get back out of it at some point um, in terms of energy and health and, and the better, a better life in general. Um, but that they're making those choices it, and, you know, filling that, that need. And it's and interesting. The- it's interesting that yeah. you bring this up because um, all of our podcasts feed off the other and, mm-hmm. and we don't line this up. Right. We just had uh, an executive from a massage chain, and uh, she's talking about the changes in consumerism, the changes Same in behavior. consumer behavior, and focusing on more healthy, et cetera. And now we hear it again from Season in that people are making, and I'll give uh, Season a shameless plug, wiser choices with respect to what's going into their body, what's coming into their home. And, uh, I mean, that that's a common theme. Yeah, and people are reading labels now more than ever. And yep. I think we've just scratched the surface, surface of that. So I, I love the fact that you guys are doing this with the, the packaging and the clean label. I mean, it's in my business, everybody's going, we're a transparent label, which means you don't see proprietary blend anymore. You're like, there's 500 milligrams of magnesium. There's 600 milligrams of, I mean, they're spelling right. it out. So yeah, right. it's, it, and it's consumers are becoming more and more wise every day. Yeah. Right. Another shameless plug for wise. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the USDA is very very particular about how you so you know we have claims to have no artificial flavors or preservatives. Um, they're very particular with how we define that and how we call that out on our label. So obviously we've gone through that process with them, which is a whole nother conversation. But it it does um, it does give 
our claim some credibility that it's gone through that process. And, you know, it, they, they, they kind of changed the language to say it's minimal, minimally processed, no added um, preservatives or ingredients. I'm not sure exactly the phrasing. And then you have to add asterisks, asterisks to the ingredient label, going back to if it's not in the label, don't claim it. Yeah. Um, or anything that can be used as a preservative has to be called out. That includes things like salt, um, sugar, anything that can be used to cure a product. They all have to be labeled with those with those call outs. Yeah, interesting. And then what does what does one of your pizzas? What's the average cost of your pizza to the consumer? Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. Six ninety. I'm telling you. I am telling on. you that six ninety nine number. Just keeps coming up. All yeah, right, you'll I, be able to date night twice a week now. No, but seriously, I yeah. was with I was with a sauce company last night. Uh, Thirteen sauces out of St. Louis, and uh, they said uh, they sell frozen sauces to grocery stores, right? Or the co packer does. Guess what the price mm-hmm. point is? Six ninety nine. All right. Guess what the grocery store wants to make? Thirty percent. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, you know what grocery stores margin was? One percent, one percent. Those days, wow. are, those days are gone. Yeah. Those days are gone. Now the grocery store has become the new C store. Okay, fifty percent, and I'm being I'm being very conservative. Fifty percent of the people that you see working in a grocery store do not work for the grocery store. They work for the distributor, and they're just popping products. It on the shelves, all right, because that thing is becoming a C store, mm-hmm. the the way at least we used to call C yeah. stores, because everything's being driven by that thirty percent margin that the grocery store wants to make, right? Yeah. So tell us about the challenges in negotiating price with the co-packer, the distributor. I mean. A lot of hands, There's right? A There's hands. a lot of hands. You start with six ninety nine. Okay, I'm gonna. The grocery store is gonna sell this for six ninety nine. That's, that's, that's seven bucks. All right, and that's half the cost of a Johnny Black at a hotel. Don't ask me how I know that. I read an article. All right, <laughs> and so it. so it's seven bucks. Now you got to feed the grocer. You got to feed the distributor. You got to feed the co packer. And by God, you got to feed the person who actually came up with the whole idea. So tell me what a challenge that is. Oh, and you got to feed cost, right? Because you can't produce these things for free, right? So so tell me how difficult that is, Season. It's it's certainly a challenge. And and when we were working with our co-packer in terms of our production budget, we had to work backwards. And in you left out broker fees, five percent. You left out marketing allocation of 15%. broker fees. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and it's all got to be included. And and then there's the cost of freight that is so volatile. Even today, yep. it's, it's incredible how it changes from day to day. So you just have to budget based on what you know, and, and sometimes you have to over budget just to make sure because you know things are going to change. But we did. We worked backwards. And we knew we had to be in the sub three dollar area yeah. making one of our pieces with really high quality products. Right. Um, and it was a challenge. We had to look at size of packaging, um, you know, ounces of cheese because you know cheese is like gold. Um, and during a pandemic, it's even more expensive. Um, it it was it was insane, um, but we crazy. we got there and we figured out how we could still produce that product, um, you know, based on a certain number during a run, the efficiencies there with labor and, and, and that type of thing and, and cold storage and movement, all kinds of formulas. People don't, um, people don't understand how difficult the food business is. Well, because- you have to know, you have to know who you're going to go sell it to before you start even producing anything. Cause why are you going to produce something that you can't go sell to somebody? Sure. And you already have, to know what they're going to buy it for so all the information is there you just have to take it and and analyze it and figure out where your cost is going to be 
how much you want to make and and get to the point that you need to be at to to make it work. Yeah. So how many stores are you guys in now? We're in just under 850 grocery stores. Oh, that's good. Congratulations. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And that, that, that's what we always laugh about is that consumers like, man, they're in 800 stores. They're, they're, they're killing it. Well, they they're got, like, they yeah. got a hundred thousand to go. Yeah. There's a lot of grocery yeah, stores out there. It just makes me laugh. It's like, you have no idea how much work it takes to get Oh my to gosh. That. It's, so, it's a nightmare. I mean, right. And it's a game of pennies. We always say that food is a, is a game of pennies for sure. It's a game of pennies and a game of volume. I was mm-hmm. in, uh, I was in, um, we have two dollar stores, uh, in the Midwest. One's called, uh, Dollar General and the other one's called Dollar Tree. All right. And everything in there is a dollar. All right. And, uh, I'm hanging in the Dollar Tree. No offense to Dollar Tree. Kudos to them for however they built this up, right? So I'm I'm rooting around. We own a bunch of vacation rentals, right? And we put courtesy baskets in the bathrooms. And the courtesy baskets have the little thing of crest and the little toothbrush and the little stuff that they might have forgotten. Where 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 the hell do you think that comes from? That comes from the Dollar Tree. Okay, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to go and pay full price for this thing, right? So I I'm meandering around the Dollar Tree with my cart full of 100 little tubes of crest and 100 little, you know, deodorants. And oh my God! Guess what's in the back? A uh, frozen food section. <laughs> a frozen <laughs> food section. All right. And they have a Salisbury steak Ooh, meal. Right. <laughs> listen, listen to me. The price is a dollar. <laughs> and so now I got to back off the thirty cents. Now listen. Don't think Dollar Tree is a joke. They're huge, all right? I got to back off the 30 cents profit that they make. So that Salisbury steak dinner has been produced, packaged, delivered to the Dollar Tree for 70 cents. Now read that ingredients label. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) Meow. How do you list kitty cat? On the label and get away from it. I think. Right. (laughs) All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, the business that you chose, season, it's tough. Oh, it's a tough. Yeah, (laughs) I have a ton of respect for anybody that's in the food business. Right, and 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 you can make money. Yeah. Right. So, chose is a a very strong word. It was something that I was challenged with, and you know me. When I'm challenged with something, and somebody says, "Mm, "I don't know if it's going to happen." I got him and I go out and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. and and it's been it's it's been amazing, for sure. So, what's the future? What is your uh, vision? And we've talked about this over the years, and I know your vision has changed. Um, but um, what is your vision? What what would you like to see happen with Wise Choice Foods? And don't just don't just limit that to, well, this is how many stores I'd like to see us in. You know, you, you picked Wise Choice Foods for a reason. When people pick foods, they mean, I'm going to sell more than pizza eventually if this thing takes off. So um, tell us your vision, Season. Absolutely. We have been in R&D nonstop for the last few years looking at new obviously new pizza varieties we actually have a a new line called um, the chopped line c-h-o-p apostrophe d and um, it's in a new box that's black with red stripes and it's meant to project a a more premium um, protein heavy product that will speak more of a male demographic. We all know that, that women make most of the purchasing decisions in, in the grocery stores and, and going down these aisles, but these are heavier proteins. So we have mm. flavors like um, smoked bacon jalapeno popper, um, the big beef taco, the Italian meetup, which is our version of a meat lovers. And um, so that is something that we've actually, uh, we rolled that out to buyers back in October and we're hoping that we're going to be able to produce that and get that on the shelves the end of the summer. Yep. But we've 
also been looking at getting our proprietary sauces because we have an amazing green chili infused Alfredo sauce and obviously our roasted red pepper marinara, which makes sense for us to have that bottled and on the shelves next to, you know, Ragu and Prego and, and those guys. Uh, okay. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, yeah. I got a sauce company that you should probably talk to, Season, as the, as the time goes on. Se- seriously, you should probably talk to them. Uh, well, and keep going. The, the other largest growing category, and I think again on the heels of of the pandemic, is snacks, frozen snacks, yep. things like uh, pizza rolls and hot pockets, handheld things that are easy to make. You can throw them in a microwave, whatever. And I don't know if you guys have, and I don't mean to to call out a specific brand, right. but if you've ever looked at the back of those boxes, it's full of stuff that you wouldn't eat individually yep and somehow we're eating it collectively um we are taking our same clean label principles and we are creating a pizza bite line we're creating a calzone line which is our handheld version of a hot pocket yeah and we're using same flavors that we're going out there with you know obviously focusing on the green chili product they're amazing the, um, so the proteins, the proteins, big for sure. Huge. I mean, I've I've been lifting now for three years, and the proteins, everything. It's like I'm I'm looking at, uh, and, and let me tell you how how whacked this search for protein is. I'm looking at the protein in something that I suspect is fairly healthy, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at the protein. I'm not making a joke here. In a can of SpaghettiOs, and the protein in SpaghettiOs is 20 grams. 20 grams, okay? Now, you know that SpaghettiOs are likely not all that healthy for you, but, man, they promote that 20. I mean, it takes up one-fourth a can. It says 20 grams of protein. Protein's the hot hot button right now for everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... And Every, I think my, it cancels carbs. I, I'm no. Uh, well, it balances blood sugar and helps yeah. play a role in that. But and protein feeds muscle. And yeah. muscle is your natural metabolism and longevity. I mean, on average, my average day, I consume between 220 to 250 grams of protein. That's a ton. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say protein pizza, I mean, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think the protein's smart. The clean is smart, but you have to re- you have to educate the consumer because they're not educated currently. Well, and that's part of what our our packaging labeling does. Part of what what my job is to make sure we're getting that marketing message out there. Which you know we're in we're in some of the the, the biggest DMAs in the nation, and it's expensive to do marketing. So we're <sighs> definitely focusing on on utilizing the genius programs that these retailers have because they know what their shoppers are doing what they're buying they when do. they're in the store yeah so it makes for us to really invest in their programs and supplement that to drive people you know in terms of awareness of that hey we are in the grocery freezer case because if they don't know we're there before they get to the grocery store they're not going to stand and look at 15 doors of frozen pizza and examine each new brand they're going to go to what they already know unless we've told them beforehand hey you should try wise spice pizza. You're going to love it, and it's a better choice. See, and and that's the other thing that's a lot has changed since I was a kid, which mm-hmm. was like a hundred years ago. So um, the data that these grocery stores have, the the awareness that they have with respect to their products and with respect to their consumers is amazing. All right. Uh, and, and kudos to the, these are some of the grocery store chains I, I've dealt with. I've dealt with High V with respect to our food business, and High V's got it figured out. Whether you like High V or don't like High V, it don't matter. They've got it figured out, they right? Do. And thousands and thousands of stores say they've got it figured yeah. out, right? And, and I'm sure Kroger's the same way and, and whatever. Man, these people are amazing in in the data, and that's something that we've talked about before. But back to educating the consumer, you know, with COVID, when COVID hit last year, my stores were able to pivot real quick and not 
worry about selling large tubs of protein or creatine or anything like that. And everybody was coming in for healthy meals and healthy snacks Uh and stuff like that. And it's amazing how many people we educated with label reading. See, and And that's huge. So this is where I want to see, uh, again, I, and season knows I'm used, uh, she's used to me talking like this. This is where I, I would love to see wise choice foods go, right? We make a smaller, uh, single serving uh, size, which I know season's already doing. And we start breaking into, so I go into my gym. All right. And there's a, a, a cooler, uh, a freezer of food. And we all know who's producing that food. All right. There's very few folks out there putting that food in there. There's no pizza option. None. No pizza option. Now, if there's a pizza that delivers 28 grams, that seems to be where these meals want to, you know, end up at least at a minimum. If there's a pizza that can deliver 28 grams and, um, and taste good, right? So we're not talking about a dough crust. We're talking about, you know, it makes me sick to think about it, but a chicken crust or cauliflower crust, or a cauliflower or crust. get out of yep. here with your cauliflower crust. Bring me a chicken crust, okay, that tastes good and is not soggy. Um, now you really, really yeah. have something, yeah. at, at least in my so estimation. I, so our pizzas, so our, our pizzas, based on USDA guidelines, um, have three servings, and that's all based on weight. Uh, okay. The serving, which is a third, um, is 15 grams of protein. So if you eat one of our Holy entire shit. pizzas protein 45 grams that's big yeah yep yeah that's awesome all right season so um so now now it's time for our unfair question um and and again i i you know this i've been impressed by you over the years although i i know a particular lawyer i i won't name him on the show who always told you that you could do this that wasn't that wasn't much of a contribution, but um, but uh, but again, I, I know someone who always told you that he knew that you were going to do this. So this is no great surprise, uh, certainly to me. But I'll ask uh, this question. We ask it of every guest. If you had to tell uh, an entrepreneur or a future entrepreneur whether they're, uh, you know, getting into a very crowded field as you did uh, mm-hmm. or whatever the service or product that they're selling, if you had to give them some words of advice uh, that would help them realize, you know, their legacy, what would that be, Season? You know, um, well, obviously the first and foremost thing is, is just make sure you have something different. Um, that's going to fulfill a need that people are looking for. I think that that goes without saying. Um, and, and that's what we've done in terms of the, the quality of product and um, with the types and the flavor varieties. But, but more than anything, the biggest, uh, I think the biggest challenge that you have going in as a, as a new entrepreneur, a new business owner, launching a new product, you have to be on your game with communication. Um, it is the number one thing that has gotten us as far as we have been, and it has led to incredibly valuable partnerships um, that have supported our growth, that has led to open doors, and it's, it's just out of having true gratitude for every opportunity, whether it's good or bad, because um, you're going to learn something from a yes or a no, yep. and they're equally valuable lessons, and having that that open communication that's very clear, making sure you know who you are and who your business represents and what you stand for. And you're, you're communicating very clearly about who you are with passion. Um, and then also staying in touch with people because they're not sitting around thinking about you like you are of them. Yep. Not, not to the point of being a pest, but reaching out and taking genuine interest in what they're interested in and what they're looking for. Um, you know, subscribe to newsletters that they might also read and send them articles that you think um, they they might be interested in or, or 
you know, put, put together a Google, a Google alert that gives you information when they're, they're in the news and say, hey, congratulations. So taking those genuine interests and creating those reasons to continue the communication and the outreach Tasha's. has been, has been, that has been our, our biggest success point. For yeah. sure. that, that was, that's a great advice. And, Touches. you know, and something on that season is if somebody says, no, we don't want to buy your product. Don't be afraid to ask why, yeah. why, why not? Right. So you can better yourself. Yeah. Right. That's what so many people will get a no and they'll turn and, and, and walk and, out the door. And, and by the way, as we said, not everyone can be your customer. Nope. And not every deal is right for you. And that's okay. Yeah. All right. Season well, season will never sell her pizza in the Dollar, Dollar Tree. Tree. But that's okay. Yeah. It's okay for Dollar Tree. And it's okay for Season. <laughs> because she could spend the next year trying to figure out how she's going to make money off a Dollar Pizza It'll be a waste of time. Go, go focus on something different. And if you know that that is somebody that, that you want to do business with and they tell you no, I always took it as a not right now. Yeah. And, okay. and they patient. And, you know, I never, you know, I was never a hard salesperson. None of my team is. And, and we will never be that way. We take genuine interest. And regardless of who we're working with and what side they're on, if they're a supplier, if they're a retailer, if they're a distributor, we want genuinely supportive partnerships with every person we do business with, um, and we want good partnerships because if they're not good, they're not going to they're not going to to come to the the level of fruition that you're looking for. So just pick the people you do business with as well because that's important. Awesome, good advice. All right, season. So thank you for uh, coming on. I know that uh, you know sometimes it feels like we're going off the track, but I think you offered great advice. For all sorts of entrepreneurs and, and really congratulations with what you've done in what seems to me like a very short period of time. Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure to, to sit here and talk to you guys for a little while and share the story. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. We'll follow up. Well, we Can got you- a crowded house, so they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. With the soundboard. Can you find the one that is our exit music? Thank you. Thanks, Susan.